Welcome to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show. This is all about women. Why women? On the show, we talk about women's success, how women lead, and how women succeed. And the purpose of our show is really to bring to life women who are successful and women's issues. Today, I have a wonderful woman leader on the show, Mina Trujillo. Before I bring her on, let me introduce myself. I'm Renee Frazier. I'm a psychologist who runs an advertising and marketing firm called Frazier Communications. We are one of the leading uh, women-owned firms in Los Angeles. We handle clients from the state of California to Lexus to Toyota, and we only talk take on positive causes. Uh, We've done campaigns for First Five California, teaching families about the importance of talking, reading, and singing. And we created Be Water Wise, the way to think about water. Even though we're now out of our drought, we know a drought is likely to come again here in Southern California. But the show is really about how women succeed and lead, educating and inspiring other women. So today I have a wonderful woman. I mentioned Mina Trujillo. Um, Mina is founder and Chief Creative Officer of Craft PR, but she's also created a tequila brand, and I want her to talk about that as well. Welcome to the show, Mina. Thank you, Renee. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so delighted to be here with you today, and um, looking forward to discussing my background Thank and some you. of my businesses. Thank you. I'm, I'm a big admirer. I, Mina is full of energy and wonderfully successful. Let's start with how did you get into the PR business and tell me about where your creativity comes from. So I I talk a lot. When I was in elementary school, I used to always, my the teachers used to call my mom a lot because they said she won't stop talking. We don't know what to do with her. <laughs> and so I was in charge of the third grade class. And then I was in charge of the school. Oh, boy. <laughs> and so um, it kind of, I think I was born with it. Um, I'm a natural communicator. I love learning about people and their stories. And then I think I'm just a natural storyteller. And so I think I was just born with it. And then I kind of went with it. And in, in college, I decided to, I decided in college that I was probably going to be in marketing or PR. Uh-huh. And so sure enough, that's what my undergraduate is um, from Mount St. Mary's up uh-huh. in Brentwood, California. And uh, where did you grow up, Mina? So I have a very interesting story. I'm an immigrant. I came to Los Angeles, um, straight to LA. I grew up in Highland Park near Dodger Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew I, I was born in Guadalajara, Jalisco. And um, kind of a little bit of a sad story. My mom um, was a widow when I she was eight months pregnant with me. Oh, my. Um, and so she decided, okay, I, I we're from a smaller town. Um, you know, what do I do now? I'm single. Back in the day, you couldn't really remarry in Mexico if you were single with oh. a child. Oh. And so she decided to come to the U.S. in the, I want to say it was in the early, mid-60s. And so that's when, you know, uh, immigration from Mexico to the U.S. was extremely easy. Mm-hmm. You just would cross through the border and say that, you know, you, you're from Los Angeles. Uh-huh. That's all you had to say, Los Angeles. And so um, my mom came, she started working um, here in LA in the, in the garment industry. And so sure enough, like five years later, you know, she left me back with my grandparents who were very, it was a very well-to-do family. I come from my dad's side, um, very well-to-do family. Um, In fact, my great grandfather's Jewish. Uh Um, He immigrated to Mexico um, during that uh, Sephardic Jews came to Mexico and they were um, welcomed into the, into Mexico and they, 
assimilated. They were not asked to change their religion, but some of them did. My grandfather ended up marrying a Mexican woman from Jalisco. And so my father was born there. My great grandfather, uh, my grandfather was from there. Um, and so, you know, um, long story short is that we, um, I was born there too. And then I, when my mom immigrated to the U.S. after my father passed away, um, five years later, she asked my grandmother to bring me to the U.S. Sure. And that's when I came here and I started um, kindergarten in the U.S. So and I did you I learn English? Five years old. Yeah. So you learned English in kindergarten and television. So I was an ESL student. Yeah. And I remember I used to ask the teacher because I grew up in Highland Park, which at that time was very, very it was predominantly Mexican. Mm hmm. Um, and so I remember we used to speak Spanish in the classroom. And then I remember asking my teacher every day, we could just make the class in Spanish. And she said, no, you're in America. You have to learn English. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so I was in ESL, but quickly enough, I learned English. And so that was when I was five years old. Well, what a success story you are, Mina. So yeah, you started. So your... I grew up in Highland Park at uh -huh. that time. Very, it was gang infested. I mean, you couldn't walk out without bullets, Ooh, you know, goodness. kind of just flying over your head. And goodness. I grew up in that environment. Wow. Do you think it made you a tough person? It's You're still Absolutely. such a positive, Absolutely. happy person. How did that happen, the positive, happy part? I think it comes from, first of all, you know, we were immigrants. Um, second of all, I think sometimes you're born with certain desire. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, like I couldn't, I didn't understand why we had to choose between orange juice and milk. Mm. Like I couldn't get that through my head, but then also, you know, I didn't really have a lot of um, a, a mentor or role model growing up because we came from a family um, where you spent your, pay your paycheck. My dad, we spent the pay, my, my mother remarried. And mm. so he was a wonderful stepdad. We used to spend our paycheck the second day. He oh, got it. all gone. Yeah. And so, you know, I didn't, know anything else and we grew and I mean we lived in, in a pretty bad environment like our house was bad mm. we lived in an apartment building where it was like cockroach infested oh my and okay. so um and you know that in a hundred percent wonderful family I had wonderful parents but highly ignorant mm -hmm. on the American dream like the American dream is not that you come and spend your entire paycheck in one weekend Right. buying stuff you can't afford, right? You've, it you've, was more you've, of, you, right, you come to the United States and you make a living for yourself and you strive for more. Correct, right. And so I could see the when when the first, I think it's called the U.S. Bank Tower now, yes. right on 5th, yeah. Grand. Mm -hmm. I, we could see that from our, from our apartment building. And so I remember seeing and being amazed by that building. It was getting built. And then when it started going up, you know, and, and the floor started getting higher, I remember um, we used to go pick up my mom in the fashion district because she worked at one of the, um, you know, cut and sew places. And I remember asking my dad, can we drive by that building? And we would just park out there and wait for my mom until she said, OK, I'm ready. And then we would drive over to Broadway Street. But I remember I used to ask my dad, can we please drive through that big building? And I remember I used to, I used to stare at it uh -huh. and I was like, I want to work there one day. Like, that is my dream to work in that building. Wow. And so I knew that coming out of Highland Park, when we would drive away from Highland Park, which, which was horrific at that time in, in the 90s, uh, I'm sorry, not the 90s, 70s, 80s, it was horrific. It was in a horrific neighborhood. It was going through transition at that time. Yes. It was like the older gang members were now all in prison and it was their kids that were now running the neighborhood. Right. Um, and so during that time, there was a lot of upheaval with drugs and, and gangs. 
in, in um, that part of town. And so I used to say, okay, well, how come over there? It's so beautiful. Because when we used to, on Saturdays, drive down to Pasadena through San Rafael sure, Street. Sure. So you saw. And so my references were always like, how come we live here? But then there's that beautiful area off of, you know, the road near the Rose Bowl. And then downtown, there's all these people like in these buildings. Like, <laughs> and so that kind of, I'm a why person and I'm, I'm not smart. I always say I'm not smart. I'm just extremely curious. Curious. I get it. Extremely curious and extremely creative. And so that's kind of, I think, what Planet the Seed is like, why? Right. Why do we have to choose between gallon of milk and a gallon of orange juice? Like, we can't buy both. Why? Right. right. And why are these two worlds, right? So you certainly right. made it to that other world, which I think is wonderful, Mina. Right. You know, we're talking with Mina Trujillo about her life experiences. She's a creative and, and uh, a founder and creative uh, officer of her company, which is called Craft PR, but she's also started a tequila brand, and she's going to tell us all about tequila in our next segment, how you how you even create tequila and why it comes in small batches. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show, Why Women, and we're talking about how women lead and succeed. Mina, thank you for sharing your story with us about growing up and wondering with and asking why all the time. Uh, stay tuned, folks, and we'll hear more more from Mina. Your pleasure. This is the Dr. Renee Show, Why Women. We talk about successful, leading women and discuss women's issues and their backstories, as I like to say. Today, we're talking with Mina Trujillo, and Mina is a very successful entrepreneur in Los Angeles. She's got a wonderful PR firm, and she just shared with us her story about being curious, always driven by why and being creative. Uh, and as an immigrant coming to this country, wondering why are there those wealthy, happy people over there and then these other problematic areas? from her own background. Today we're going to talk, or now we're going to talk about uh, tequila, because besides running a very successful business, she's also created a company that sells tequila in some very unique ways. Mina, happy to have you back. Can you tell us about your inspiration for selling tequila? I know it has to do with your Guadalajara background, but please tell us. Um, so thanks, Renee, for welcoming me back. Um, so one of the things, so again, going back to, uh, I'm extremely curious, and I also get extremely bored very quickly. Um, one of the things, and, and I was already very busy when I thought of this idea, not like I need, I had nothing to do, or I needed something else to do. So, um, but I was, you know, I'm always looking for the next, like, what do I do next? And so coming from Jalisco, being born there, um, you know, I, I've had the PR agency for 12 years now. And um, one of the things I, I was really kind of struggling with is I love what I do. I'm a natural PR person. I connect to people very well. Um, I said, but it's kind of like the same work every day. And so before and, and just really quick, before I started the cosmetic, I mean, the, I'm sorry, the PR agency, I used to own a cosmetic company. Oh, and so the cosmetic company in in the year 2007, when we had the the, the grand recession, um, you know, it was a retail business. So that kind of went sideways. Yep. Um, I had some 
at that time, that was the only company I've ever raised capital for. So I had investors and we got to the point where there was just no way to save a retail company at that time. People just stopped going to stores. It was like, you know, people were not shopping. There was no disposable income. People were losing homes. The banks were shutting down. Right. I remember. Yeah. And so, and and you weren't online, you You weren't, weren't selling online. All right. Which is the other place to go. So. Exactly. We were not selling online. There was no Instagram. So I had no choice but to kind of dwindle down very um, slowly and carefully because we did have a lot of employees at that time. I want to say we had about 15. And so, um, you know, I said, okay, well, where do I go from here? So I I ended up going back to corporate America. Um, My career started at Arthur Anderson. So I came from Arthur Anderson. So, um, you know, I, I ended up going back to the financial services space. So I took a job as a marketing director, West Coast marketing director for an accounting firm. And then in the meantime, I was like, okay, you know, um, one thing led to another. I ended up going back out on my own with a huge client. And then I started building the PR agency back in 2010. And so then, you know, fast forward to 2015, I was like, okay, what else do I do now? I love consumer products. Mm-hmm. I love consumer products because I love the creative component of mm-hmm. that. Yep. Um, designing packaging and and all that good stuff, you know, um, and graphics that come with um, impulse buying and that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, well, you know what? I think tequila, I'm from Jalisco, why not? <laughs> and so, but I knew I didn't, I was like, it just can't be a regular tequila because at, that was the times of Patron. Oh, yes. I'm like, I'm not Patron. I don't have a billion dollars, right. you know? And so I can't compete in that space because alcohol is extremely 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 difficult so i was like okay i can't compete in that space so what do i what do i do and so one day i'm like okay i have that in the back of my mind it's going to be tequila but i don't know what yet and so one day i'm sitting you know in my kitchen and i'm going through my mail and i see fortune magazine it says the fastest growing industry in the world number one tequila Uh and i was like there you go it was a sign i'm doing that next yeah so I take a flight out to Jalisco. So then I start calling all my Jalisco friends and I said, okay, I'm going to start a tequila company. They're like, you're insane. I'm like, nope, I, I know I can do this. And it's a and man's so world. It's a man's world, right? It's so, a man's yeah. world, not something that we're not used to, obviously, you know? Right. And so I was like, okay, no worries. And so I'm like, I'm going to take a flight to Jalisco and I'm going to start, you know, going to some of the distilleries and to my surprise, you know, um, I walk into one of my first meetings to, with a tequila factory. And and mind you, I speak fluent Spanish. Yes. Fluent Spanish from Jalisco. So these people are like, we're the same. Yes. <laughs> and so I walk into my first meeting with the distillery and we're just like there and we're the guys talking to me and we're talking and we're talking. And I'm like, oh, like, why aren't we getting started here? I'm thinking to myself, right? But I'm like, in Mexico, this is kind of what you do. You talk first. You just yes. talk about family and <laughs> And now we're like half and 35 minutes into this meeting. And I'm like, okay, well, we need to get started here, right? <laughs> and he says, I said, okay, so can we get started? He goes, no, well, let's wait for your boss. Where's your <laughs> boss? And I'm like, I am the boss. I'm the boss, exactly. I'm. You're speaking to her. Yes. So that was my first taste of, mm-hmm. oh, this is not going to go well. And so then, you know, fast forward, this is 2015. Then I start kind of playing around with the idea of how I would want to package this. So I come up with this. 
So I come up with the patent. It's I a find box a structural that you can carry. It's a box you can carry with a strap. Right? For those people who yep. are listening and can't see the visual, it's beautiful. It's yeah. got great pictures. I love the flamingo. The salt. So and salt inside. It's a pre-mixed margarita, 100% tequila. Most margaritas in the marketplace. And I feel like this is the hard part because, you know, it's... um. Oh, by the way, so here's the tequila. So Spout? here's the drink. Oh. Bring out the nozzle. So it's a, what we call this is a bag in a box. Uh-huh. Like wine so you comes into the nozzle and that's how you serve your margarita. And you get, so, what, five margaritas out of the box? You get nine. Nine. Woo. So it's perfect for a party. Wow. 100% tequila. Um, One of the only margaritas that makes 100% tequila because once you export tequila out of Jalisco, that's not packaged in its original form like that, then it's not tequila. That's a 5149. So it's 51% um, agave and the rest is sugar. Uh. So you can't export tequila out of Jalisco. It's like champagne from France. You have to package it there. So I come up with that idea. I hire, I go to a structural designer. I'm like, I had cut boxes out. You know, I went to, to Office Max. I bought carton. Mm. I put it together with glue. And I said, this is what I want. Wow. So I hire a structural designer and he puts it together for me professionally. And then I call my attorney and I say, I want to patent this. And they're like, okay, sure. And sure enough, the patent, you know, it didn't exist. So the patent, I've been a patent holder for, um, I want to say six years. Congratulations. That's a big deal. Because I started this company eight years ago. So right soon after I started, before I like I launched, I was already in the patent process. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's about six years old with the the patent, and and now I've patented another. Well, before before we talk unique. about the other one, let's talk about where people can buy the product and the name of it. So it's this is this the margarita, which is referred to as a RTD, ready to drink. Ready to drink. Um, this one is uh, in all the total wines in Southern California. It's called Canchi. Canchi. Additional twenty. Mm-hmm. Additional twenty uh, specialty liquor stores. Right, and it's called Cantina. It's called Drago's. Right. Drago's Cantina. Drago's Cantina. Mm-hmm. I love the name Drago's. And how did you come yeah. up with that name? And so the name basically, um, I'm on a flight during the you know initial process. I had my first name was Tequila Mixology. And I was like, okay, let's, you know, let's. Mm, Doesn't roll off uh, your tongue. Trademark yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm on a flight to Jalisco and my attorney sends me an email and she says, hey, Nina, well, first of all, you can't trademark the name tequila because that belongs to the state of Jalisco. And mixology is also kind of like a common word. So you can't, you can't, that's combo's never going to work. Don't spend your time or money. And I'm going, but I really like that name. And so I start flipping through a magazine and I come up across the, uh, and this is a Mexican airline. So they have, you know, the Mexican magazines with sure. history and stuff like that. And so I come across this article with Emiliano Zapata, who won, you know, who won uh, the, the um, who fought the battle of Puebla. Yes, right. He defeated the Spaniards, right? And so I go, oh, my God, his army was named the Dragones. Ah. But I love everything Greek. I love Greek mythology. I mean, we a lot of our words in Mexico originated from the Greek language. Yes, and so I was like, you know what? I could never name something Dragonis. That's a very hard name. It's almost like a tongue twister. But I said, you know, Dragos? Dragos is, um, it, it's actually Greek, but it could also be Italian. I love it. Um, so anyway, I just shortened the name Dragonis. Which I got was it. the army of Emiliano Zapata. 
I got it. I love it. And uh, so it's available at, tell us one more time so people can find it. All the Total Wines, Total Wine and More, which is our, their specialty stores, um, all of, all over Southern California. All over Southern California. Fabulous. And you have more than one uh, flavor salt, I know. Can you talk about yes. that? So yeah. we have four margaritas. One is the pineapple coconut with the coconut, shredded coconut for the rim. Got it. And then we have a strawberry basil. With a smoked jalapeno salt. Ooh, woo. Uh, with the this lips. This was delicious. With the lips strawberry on basil, it. smoked love jalapeno, it. and it is delicious. <laughs> and then I don't have the other ones with me, but we have a blood orange with a black Hawaiian salt. Ooh. And then our really popular one is cucumber jalapeno. Oh, wow. With a, chil- a custom chili lime salt. Wow, I love it. And you obviously formulate the salts as well I as the drinks. Everything. So uh, I come up with the flavors. I come up with the design of the box. And then I turn it over to professional designers because I'm not an official graphic designer. But I come up with the concepts, the ideas, the the flavors. I remember. And then I have a chemist yep. who um, I work with to develop the flavors. Yes, officially fabulous and then we mix we match we taste all day <laughs> yeah a lot of tasting a lot of tasting until it gets to I the find one that perfect like oh there we got it we got it and then we write down the formula and that's how it becomes packaged i love it after we've gone through a year because uh, anything that's flavored like this that has multiple ingredients because it's got triple sec you know you can't call a margarita margarita without triple sec and sure. all that so there's um, a really long sheet of everything that goes in it in terms of like percentages that goes to the government. Wow. And that's about a year process to wow. get a flavor approved. Wow. Mina, I've it's learned a, a lot. It's a very long process I for have, a flavor to well, get approved. No idea how to, how to bring a liquor like that to the market. This is Mina Trujillo that we're talking to. And Jirago is the name of this wonderful margarita boxes. I remember the one with Frida Kahlo on it also. Oh, yeah. That's Which, the cucumber jalapeno. So our cucumber jalapeno is one of our best sellers. In fact, cucumber jalapeno and blood orange are probably our top sellers. Um, they've been in the market for five years, and those are our two original. I love it. And so, um, yeah, today's all things green and the cucumber jalapeno is amazing. I love it. Great way to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Well, everyone, you're exactly. listening to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show, Why Women. And we're talking about a, an entrepreneurial success with her own PR firm, but getting bored because she's curious all the time. She started a tequila company, which is wonderful, Drago. And it's margaritas in a box, which is fabulous for a party with really unusual salts and flavors, as you just heard, uh, including this cucumber jalapeno, right? Which I'm, I'm looking yes. forward to trying. Stay tuned while you listen to news and traffic. We'll be right back with Mina. She's going to tell us about a whole new line of tequila and an incredible bottle that looks like a snake. Stay tuned. <laughs> Welcome to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show, Why Women. We're talking with Mina Trujillo, who's telling us about her tequila products. In addition to her wonderful PR firm, Mina's built an incredible brand with Drago, and it's a wonderful boxed uh, 
margarita. You get nine margaritas in the box and the wonderful flavors. Check it out. Welcome back, Mina. I'd like to talk about your latest invention. You told us you're, you get bored easily. So clearly you've been building on this company. Tell us about your latest project. So I think the hard part was the first one. Yeah. <laughs> it's addicting. It's addicting to be in this alcohol business. It's extraordinarily difficult. I mean, there's like six licenses that I have to have. There's all these reports that I have to submit on a monthly basis. And then there's like, forget that. It's getting into retail. It's extremely difficult because the alcohol industry is really, it's, it's a monopoly. Mm. It's controlled by the giants like Diageo and Brown Foreman and... <clears throat> Pernod Ricard. And so, you know, here I am, this little uh, entrepreneur, Latina, right, right. LA, trying to, um, you know, go into this business. And so it's proved to be extremely difficult. But at the same time, um, one of the lessons I've learned is that you never give up. Good for you. You, ne- you never stop in the middle because I can tell you that there's been a lot of times when I wanted to quit. Yeah. And I thought, okay, if I quit now, then I've lost all that money I put in because I own the company a hundred percent. I don't have any investors. Um, I've done this a hundred percent and paved the road myself with all my retailers and a hundred percent owned by me, a hundred percent owned finance by me. Wow. So it's been a very long and very hard journey. I mean, there's days when I just sit, was sitting here and I was like, where do I go from here? Yeah. And I figured that if I kept going, there was a chance that I would make everything back and then some. I hope but so. But if I quit, it was a loss. Yeah, it was all a was, loss. You know, right. that was it. And so I just decided to keep going. Um, originally, I had no idea what I was doing in this business. I would say that for the first three years, I, I didn't know nothing. I was just going by intuition. I'm a business person and, and it's not my first rodeo. So I kind of applied the sure. loss of business. Yes, of course. But then I realized that it was so different. You know, it was extremely different. There was nothing that was going to help me. Woman owned, no, you know, none of yeah, that. None of that was a benefit. In other businesses, it gives us an advantage. Mm-hmm. In this business, alcohol does not work that way. No. Um, and so I just figured, okay, well, now I have to, if there's one thing I can do is sell. Yes, you can. Yes. And I'm also a huge proponent of if I'm not going to make something that I would drink, I would not sell it. So I'm very much into quality. Mm-hmm. Always quality. It doesn't matter. If it costs more, then you charge a little more, but people are willing to pay it if it's a quality product. And if you're giving someone an experience, then, you know, there's no reason why um, people won't buy your product if you're going after the right demographic. Because yes. I also believe in, I'm a data person. Yes, and the numbers don't lie. You, you and know I'm also how to... very much into niche marketing right. and finding the correct demographic. Because if you're selling it. a product that's $25 to someone that only likes to buy $5 product, then well, you have a losing proposition exactly. already, right? Yeah. And so that's how I kind of design all my marketing strategy. Um, and so I have this, you know, RTD. It's been, what, eight years this month. Um, and I'm sitting there going, last year... The way I like to refer to this is the runway, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, this product is a very low margin product, the margarita, because it takes, it's very expensive to make it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of components that go into this product, which is the salt, the handle, the cardboard, the graphics. It's an expensive product and the margins in RTD are not that big. Yeah, pretty low. And so I'm sitting here and I'm going, okay, the alcohol industry 
is a volume business. You've mm-hmm. got to be selling by the truckloads. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've done extremely well with my retailers because people love my product. And I always say, I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for customers. I'm looking for fans. Um, because the difference between a fan and a customer is customers, there's customers that will purely buy on pricing. That's right. And they're not loyal. You know, they'll buy $25 today, but if they see next something one. next to you that's 20, yep. they're going to go for the 20 that's and they right. keep going down. And fans stick with their favorite brands and they tell all their friends about it. And so I've really focused on that component. And I've also put in a lot of money into research and development on flavors. Um, I also do a lot of festivals. We do a lot of experiential Chasing. Chasing. where people can experience right, the brand. Right, 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 right. That's a smart way to get good feedback, too. It's yes, and like feedback, market research. And I've always, I like to talk to my customers, like, what do you think, what do you like about this mm-hmm. and what could be better about it? You good. know, so that feedback is always very important. Right. And so here I am, you know, eight years into this business, but last year, seven years, I'm sitting here and I'm going, okay, the end of the runway, where do I go from here with this product, right? And so I thought, okay, I'm already in the business and I have amazing connections and amazing knowledge in how tequila is produced. I'm a fourth generation Jalisciense from Jalisco. Mm-hmm. So on my mom's side, my dad's, my, um, my great grandfather, my grandfather, my dad, and me, we were all born in Jalisco. So I'm Got fourth it. generation. Wow. And so I thought, okay, so the margarita has been great, but then I realized, and this is, I think the part where for women business owners, you fall in love with something, but you also have to be very objective. Like, okay, is this going to make me money? Right. Well, the margins are small and I have to be selling four truckloads a month. Volume, exactly. Volume. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, well, I have to be realistic and, and there's got to be, no matter how amazing your product is and how much people buy it, you also have to set um, benchmarks for yourself. Yes. You know, if you're not hitting them, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and go, okay, something has to change. And so I look at that as the runway when you're, you know, landing an airplane. It's like, do you know where the controls are? Because if you don't know where the controls are of your business and you can land the plane. Yes. And so Good I'm point. looking at this runway and I'm like, I'm getting to the end of it in terms of capital mm-hmm. and in terms of, you know, growth, in terms of growth on my own. I can only do so much because I distribute my own stuff in California because yeah. I have every single license. I actually own a warehouse. Yeah. And so in California is the only state where you can basically distribute yourself. Got it. So and, that's, and that's limits 100% you. only to retailers, yeah. not to consumers, because there's it. a three tier system in the alcohol industry. And so I can sell directly to any retailer and get and build them for it. And they pay me directly. In other states, you have to have a distributor, which is the middleman. Middleman. Yep. And in some states, you're selling directly to the state. Got so it. Every single state is different. different. And if you go into different states, you have to have 50 licenses. Got it. Very right complicated. Now I own three licenses. Yeah. Um, Nevada, uh, Texas, and California. So um, let's, let's get to the new product. I really want to see here about the, the new sure, idea. Sure. So, all right. So then, you know, so here I am with the RTD and I thought, okay, now I need something to complement that will take me to a different consumer. And I came up with the idea of Scorpios. I love it. I love so it. The name of this brand is called Scorpio Scorpios 1618. It's an ultra premium. Describe, describe it for our audience. So what it is, it's a traditional artisanal product. So we start with um, 
the number one thing is you got to start with the right agave. So my agaves are seven to 10 years because it takes 10 years for a fully mature agave. Wow. Um, it, it has a lot to do with the taste profile. So I only use seven to 10 years, which that is considered a fully mature agave in the industry. Um, and so then we go, we take the agave seven to 10 years, and then we cook it in ovens, wow. stone brick ovens for 72 hours. And then the distillation process starts after that. Got it. And so there's a whole bunch of steps that you take your tequila through to make it make make it taste super smooth and super delicious without adding any additives. And so my my brand is 100% additive free. Wow. Um, because a lot of brands nowadays, what they have to do is they do two year agaves and then they have to mask mask it with all kinds of um, flavors that are not real uh, from the agave plant. Wow. Wow. Like so sugars and caramel color. Right. So you you could be thinking that you're drinking an añejo, but that añejo is probably colored and to your agave, which had to they had to add some kind of flavoring to get it to that. So you're um, talking about a higher end customer, maybe who wants it to be natural. And also it's got to be more expensive when you use seven to 10 year old and the small batches. Right. Well, the process is very unique because it's very artisanal. So basically, we only have two ovens. And when you have a certain amount of ovens, you can only produce so much during the year. Makes sense. Um, it starts with the agave. There's not enough 10-year agaves. Um, it just, you know, 10 years is a long time for anybody to wait. Um, but there's they've been planting for several years a lot of the the what we call the jimadores in, in Jalisco and also the owners of the land that plant agaves. And so um, what we do, you got to start with the seven to 10 year agave, and then you take it through the process. And then when you distill, there's a lot of art to distilling. Got it. So depending on what your process is, is you end up with a really amazing tequila where no additives were used. So no, no artificial coloring, no sugar. I get it. So yours is pure. Have you had it tasted by people? Yeah, non-additives. How, how, how does it taste and how do you know the taste is good besides yourself? It is super smooth. Yeah. So when you taste a very, very good tasting tequila, you can automatically tell if you're getting a sugar high uh-huh. or if you're feeling a little bit of the burn with the smoothness. Got it. And so there's a lot of ways. There's not just one way. And there's a lot of aficionados, you know, and tequila connoisseurs. Yes. Um. So that once you try a tequila, a real one with no additives, and you take one with additives... You will immediately know the know difference. Know the difference. Of, you know, that's an, mm-hmm. a cool way to do a taste test and to prove exactly. your product. But so you, you know, take one that has a lot of sugar, right. artificial, and, and then you take one that doesn't. And then that's how you know, know the difference. Tequila. I love it. Mina, you know, we're going to have to take a break for the news. Thank you very sure. much. We're going to stay tuned, everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show, Why Women. We're talking about tequila with Mina Trujillo. I hope you're learning a lot. I am. And I want to understand this new product. Remember how she talked about targeting so carefully? So uh, looking for a more high-priced buyer who really wants a special, unique experience with no additives to tequila. We just learned how you can tell the difference. So stay tuned and we're going to learn how this has come to fruition and where you can buy it. You're listening to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show, Why Women. Stay tuned. This is the Renee Frazier Show. I'm Dr. Renee Frazier, and this show is called Why Women 
talking about successful women and how they make that success. Today, we have an amazing entrepreneur, Mina Trujillo, who's telling us about her tequila brands. Amina, you were just talking about choosing your target audience very carefully. You saw the runway with your business and realized you had to come up with a new product. And we just talked about how you produce it. Let's talk about the target audience you had in mind and how you brought it to market. Scorpios, right? That's the name sure. of it. So yeah, yeah, this is called Scorpios. This is the newer brand. So this basically just launched um, three weeks ago um, at a big show in San Diego um, with all on premise. So I got um, several new clients from there. And so what this does is that this now opens up a whole different channel for me on premise, which is, you know, when you go to a restaurant, when you go to a hotel, mm-hmm. that's called on premise. And off premise is when you walk into a total wine to buy your product. So now this gives me two opportunities is to, uh, you know, obviously be on-premise and off-premise, whereas the previous one, the, the ready-to-drink, that's purely 100% off-premise because, right. you know, no bartender wants to serve a margarita from a box, although that's changing a lot. I bet. Um, with <laughs> yeah. the shortage, shortage of staff, yeah. with the shortage of talent, mm-hmm. a lot of bars are having now to serve ready-to-drinks. And so RTDs are having a tremendous amount of growth right now, um, but it still doesn't beat the market for a straight tequila because the tequila industry um, is in the billions of dollars now. And I don't have that exact number, um, but tequila has over surpassed vodka in sales now. Wow. And for the next two years, it, um, in, it, it promises to be even a bigger market than it is now. Um, Cause now it, now it's global. Right. Right. The, the largest market for tequila was the U S and now it's actually global. It's Fascinating. Worldwide. Fascinating. So when you when you decided, I mean, let's describe this. This looks like a wonderful snake. It's gold. It's a beautiful package. How much it's gorgeous? It's yes. really gorgeous. How much tequila is in that container? So these, um, so tequila can be imported only at seven fifty ml or one liter. So this is a seven fifty ml bottle, and so this is mainly a sipping tequila. It is so smooth. Um, and so I target a completely different segment with this. Um, it's more like for the scotch drinkers, the uh-huh. whiskey drinkers. And tequila has never been meant to. Shoot. No, you don't just chug it's it down. It's not a shooting. It's yeah. savoring. I mean, maybe right? back in the day, that's what people, that's how people drank it. <laughs> but um, the process has been perfected to a point where tequila is now, ex- if you, if you, you know, have a particular brand that you like or whatever. Um, and if it's a smooth tequila with no additives, that kind of thing. Tequila is meant to be sipped. Um, so I've never shot tequila. I actually you sip it. And then there's also a way to sip tequila. You know, you, it's a 45 degree angle and then you start drinking it very slowly so that you can take in the aromas ah, through your palate. Got it. And then you start feeling the liquid and then that's how you decipher all the different flavors. Um, because depending on the amount of the agave that's been like depending the agave sits there seven to 10 years out in a field. And so that naturally picks up a bunch of different flavors, sage, rosemary, the earth, the rain. So um, you have agaves that pick up all kinds of different profiles. Mm. And so that it translates into the tequila when you distill it. Mm. And so you can have a tequila that tastes um, today, depending on, you know, our, what we call our HEMA. Yeah. That's the, the 20 tons that we just baked in the ovens. This HEMA had, you know, been out there for eight years. Yes. And so that's picked up. We had a lot of rain in Jalisco the last two years. Every year it rains a lot in Jalisco, but we had specifically a lot of rains last year and the year before. 
And so the agave might taste dif- different this year. Ah, when you when you harvest it, so to speak. When you yeah. harvest yeah. it, how you you know it depends. So, um, so anyway, so that so this tequila, um, because it doesn't have additives, you know, one bottle may taste one way and the other another way, mm-hmm. and that's a hundred percent pure artisanal. Got it. That's part Got of it. the that's, that's part of the art. What of, artisanal of means, right? Now you have more than one though. Tell me how you've differentiated between these and the Scorpios. Brand. So Scorpios has four expressions, what we call expressions. So one is a Hoven. So a Hoven is actually a blend. So Hoven is a silver tequila that um, basically has no aging. So silver tequila with an Añejo. An Añejo has been aged. This one has been aged for two years in American oak uh, cask. And I use um, I use Jack Daniels, wow. so Tennessee whiskey, bourbon. Yeah. And so I use American oak that has been medium char. And so there's a little bit of that smoke that the tequila picks up. So two years in American oak, and then it gets transferred to a sherry cask. Wow. So sherry. Uh, This is so much detail. I had no idea it was so complicated. My goodness. And you had to obviously make this happen all along the way. I want to make sure we leave about five minutes to talk about your personal story. What else do you want to tell us about Scorpios? I mean, you want to give us the other two flavors? Yeah. So Hoven is a blend of silver and Añejo. Then we have Añejo, which is a straight... 24 month old age, um, Añejo, which is more of a, a little bit of a whiskey taste. And then we have a Reposado, which is an 18 month old expression. So that's rusted for 18 months, 12 to 18 months. And then we have an extra Añejo, which is a five year wow. aging process. Wow. Wow. And that's in French oak, French <clears throat> and American. Oak. So you clearly went high end and very can, high end. Can you give people an idea of the retail price for these? So the Añejo retails for $250. The extra añejo for three hundred, um, the joven one seventy five, and the reposado one about one fifty. So they're beautiful. I mean, it's this a is very very, very fine expensive. market. But this would be the kind of thing drinker. you might you give as gift, right? A business gift, certainly. Oh, yeah. This is or a, a special dinner. Gift. Yeah, they're beautiful. They're gold and yeah, silver. They're very striking in person. Striking, elegant, gorgeous. Yeah. Well, let's switch over, Amina, and talk a little mm-hmm. bit about your personal life. I'm, I'm amazed yeah. you have two children. Tell us about them and 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 kind of your your transition from uh, motherhood into uh, business and business into from yeah. Tell us what that was like. So it, it, you know, obviously a, a journey. Um, they were growing up in a whole different time when I was um, you know a very young mother. My son is 28 years old. Uh, he's our oldest, and then I have a 17 year old daughter. In fact, she turns 17 next week. Ah. Um, and so there's an 11 year gap because the first one came very early. Um, my husband. So I've been married for a very long time. 20. I want to say 26 years, but together like 30. Um, so my husband was a firefighter. So he recently retired. Um, I would say five years ago, and he's now in the business with me. So ah, he great. actually rents all the sales component of tequila mixology, which is the name of the corporation. Mm -hmm. And so he works with me now, but he retired early. He took early retirement from his city, Uh, but he was a firefighter for a very long time. I want, I want to say 22 years. Um, And so then, you know, I have a son that's 28 and a daughter that's 17, but, but during my corporate career, I want to say that, you know, um, it wasn't easy, but it was very doable. Yeah. I used to travel a lot, you know, early in my career. Um, I've always had jobs where it required long hours, corporate America. 
And I was, I always managed to make it work. I would either leave, I would cook at four in the morning. Right. I'm an early bird. Leave early the meals, bird. leave the meals in the refrigerator leave or the, the freezer. Leave the meals at home. Yep. I had, a, I had help. My mom always was um, around to help with the kids. Wonderful. She basically helped mostly with my son. Uh-huh. My daughter was a little different and we didn't live too far away. I don't live too far away from my mom. So she was able to babysit for a little bit, but then we just figured it out. You know, yeah. and I think that's what parenthood is. You just figure things out. There's right. no blueprint. Right, right. You know, being a woman in business, too, in corporate America and a Latina, did you feel prejudice? Did you feel judgment? Oh, yeah. And as a mom? Oh, yeah. 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 I still do. You know, um, I'm in a male-dominated business on both ends. Um, My PR agency, I produce one of the largest private equity and investment banking conferences on the West Coast. And it's all male dominated. Um, I have to say people are extremely professional and I haven't felt it as much there. But in the liquor business, it's all men. Yes. And they don't expect a woman to show up. They expect women to show up at their sales reps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't expect to be dealing with, you know, someone that's pushing back on the deal that says, no, I'm not going to do it. I mean, I walked away from big deals because I'm like, why would I sell to you to make a dollar? Right. So, yes. Okay. I'm going to be in this huge, massive store right. but for a dollar. Dollar? It doesn't make profit? sense. Good for you. No. And so, you know, they don't expect that because they're usually dealing with men. And so I've really honed my skills in negotiating because my whole life I've had to negotiate my life. Right. And so, you know, um, you start learning very early on that, okay, you're not going to you're not going to make yourself small for anyone. Like at some point you have to say, I'm walking away from this. That would be an amazing thing to be amazing start to be in. But if I'm not going to make money. I don't care about the name. You're right. You're right. Mina, you know, we're going to have to close in two minutes. And I heard many things from you. One was asking why and being curious. The other was being tenacious, never giving up and thinking about how much you put into it, the money, the time, et cetera. And there is something at the end of the rainbow, so to speak, and there has been. Now you've talked about and negotiating and being able to stand your ground. Any other advice you would give to women in industry and women coming up as entrepreneurs? First of all, the number one advice is hone your skill set and make sure that you offer more than you take. The value you have, you have to deliver value in order to become irreplaceable. Everyone's replaceable. But if you have a certain amount of value that you can deliver, then that becomes irreplaceable. I love and it. And number two, never take no for an answer. Never, never take no. Come back to them. So in that negotiating you were talking about where that I'm not going to just make a dollar. How did you get back in and how did you not take no for an answer? Did you convince well, them? I, I, I said, I don't want to be in your store. Right. And now they're coming back to me saying, we love your brand. We think it would be phenomenal here. And I'm like, these are my, these are my terms. We both have to make money. Good for you. And I love the fact that you're straight with them and very clear. Yeah. Wonderful very advice. Point. Like, let's not waste each other's time. Exactly right. Well, listen, you've been learning from Mina Trujillo. I've been learning. Thank you, Mina. I'm excited Thank to try Renee. Dragos and I uh, can't wait to get the new brand. I'm going to give that as gift, Scorpios. I oh, think fantastic. You'll, you'll really impress. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. I know we'll enjoy with the sipping, as you said. Thank you we all for... We've got to do a tequila tasting. I love that idea. So thank you for listening. This has been the Dr. Renee Frazier Show, Why Women. We've been talking with Mina Trujillo, one of the wonderful 
women leaders and a success story with lots of advice. And I certainly learned a lot. You can listen to these radio broadcasts as podcasts at the Fraser Communications website. That's FraserCommunications.com. Thank you for listening. Have a great week ahead. This is Renee Fraser from Fraser Communications.